Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 289. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I am bringing you an interview with a returning guest, Dr. Kat Kayani, who is a specialist in perinatal mental health. And today we're talking about trauma and perinatal mental health. We are going to talk in today's episode about what trauma can feel like when it shows up during pregnancy, how birth can be traumatic even when you've made a birth plan, especially if you've had a previous traumatic birth how one's sexual trauma history can show up during the birth process, the importance of empowerment and consent in the birthing process, the effects of a traumatic birth, particularly when your child experiences trauma during birth, how attachment wounds can surprise us when we become parents, the cyclical nature of attachment and trauma wounds, and how brave it is to seek out therapy to break the cycle of trauma and abuse, and the importance of learning to nurture yourself if you weren't nurtured enough as a child. So... As you've just heard, there are some sensitive topics that we're going to be talking about. So if you are pregnant and you feel like this might be too much for you, then feel free to skip this episode. But the hope that Dr. Kat and I had in having this discussion was to help people find the words to describe their experience so that if you hear something that resonates with your own experience here, you may be able to ask for help and realize that you're not alone and it's not all in your head. So content warning, very sensitive information, but hopefully very valuable as well. So let's just dive right into my conversation with Dr. Kat Kayani. Thank you to Sunset Lake CBD for sponsoring this week's episode. Use promo code CHAT for 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned small business that shifts craft CBD products directly from their farm outside of Burlington, Vermont to your door. Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. They offer tinctures, edibles, salves, and coffee designed to help with sleep, stress, and sore muscles. Sunset Lake CBD customers support regenerative agriculture that preserves the health of the land and creates meaningful employment in the community. Farm workers are paid a living wage and employees own the majority of the company. Remember, use promo code CHAT to get 20% off your entire order at sunsetlakecbd.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. And with me today, I'm very appreciative to have a returning guest who I admire and follow everything she's doing. My guest today is Dr. Kat Kayani. Kat, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be here. I love chatting with you and I'm grateful for the work that you're doing and getting, getting all this out to people and therapists and it's just so necessary and needed. So yeah, I'm happy to be back and chat a bit. 
Thank you. I'm so, I feel the same way about you because you are very, very knowledgeable on perinatal mental health. And I have learned a ton just from following you on social media and from interviewing you before, but now you have a new book, pregnancy workbook, which is subtitled manage anxiety and worry with CBT and mindfulness techniques that I'm really excited for. Cause I know it's going to help so many pregnant people. Yeah. Thank you. I am I'm, I'm really excited about this book. It's, you know, it's geared towards pregnant folks and even for people who are just becoming pregnant, um, who are pregnant, who are just experiencing anxiety for the first time, or who've had anxiety previously and are concerned about going into a pregnancy with anxiety. The, the book is, is really geared to help anybody who's having an anxiety experience, which could also include panic, or OCD or PTSD related symptoms. So, and there's a chapter on postpartum and also a chapter on partners. So if you have a partner who doesn't really, maybe really know how to support you, there's a really good chapter in there to give them ideas. It's written for them on how to support you and themselves through, through the process of pregnancy and postpartum. So yeah, along with that. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to have it out into the world and I hope it's helpful to everybody because meeting with the population I meet with, perinatal folks who are trying to get pregnant, pregnant, approaching birth or postpartum, there are so many things that, um, that people are just not informed about that, that can happen uh, related to mental health. And um, so I, I just, there are some gaps out there in terms of what's actually usable for people. So that part of the goal of the book is to just make things very usable skills and tools that can support feelings of, of worry and anxiety. So happy that it's, it's out in the world now. Yeah. I am so happy for you about that. And, you know, you have your podcast mom and mind, which is such an amazing resource about perinatal mental health. And the, then this book is like tangible, like mm-hmm. strategies and techniques yeah, I think that's what people need. I mean, you know, the, the podcast is great, as you know, podcasts are great for helping people feel seen and heard and understood and normalizing and destigmatizing. And that, that's really the goal of, of the podcast of my podcast for me is I, I don't, as professionals, we learn about all of this stuff and, and that's great, but I don't feel like we should be the holders of this information. I think it should just be out there for the people who actually need it to, to learn from and to understand. So, uh, you know, hearing personal stories of going through issues like pregnancy related mental health conditions like anxiety or, or trauma it helps people know that they're not alone because it's it can be incredibly isolating to to be feeling uh, re-experiencing things like trauma when you're in pregnancy or in the birthing process or postpartum so uh, the more we talk about it the the less horrible people feel i think yeah and you really have done so much to reduce stigma around perinatal mental health concerns and I mean, again, I've learned a ton just from, I don't even listen to every episode of your podcast, but just seeing what you post either. on social media, <laughs> who would have time? I, mean, I don't have time. I do the interview. <laughs> me too. Right. I make it. I don't listen to it. If I took uh-huh. the time to listen to it, I wouldn't have time to make it. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. But I think one of the things we were talking about before we started recording is that many people who are wanting or preparing to become parents would not necessarily identify themselves as I have a trauma history. Mm-hmm. And so I need to know about, you know, perinatal mental health because my trauma might get activated. They aren't necessarily right. knowing that their experiences could have been traumatizing. So what would you say for someone? What are some ways that could let people know that they may be having trauma symptoms show up like during pregnancy, during the birth process or in after the baby's born? Sure. Yeah. I I think in some ways it's straightforward and then in other ways, very complex because our, our own histories are very complex. Yes. So for, like you were saying, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of clients in particular that you know, did not register that their own history was traumatizing because it was just their day to day. It was their every day. And so it just registered for them as like normal because that was their normal. Um, But if, if you're 
coming into your, your pregnancy, or uh, I'll just start with pregnancy first. If you are noticing things like feeling fearful or afraid, but not knowing why, if you're having feelings like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this or even sometimes live through this or fearing that something's going to happen to you. And even if you can't really explain what that is, but it's just kind of like, hmm, it's just like a present kind of fear, but it seems like strange to you. Um, like, like some oh, kind of dread that you maybe don't even absolutely. have the words for. Yeah. 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 Dread is, is, is the best word for it. If you are having distressing dreams that are coming back, or you're having any like memories of your own history that are coming back that are, you can't like, why am I thinking about that kind of stuff? Um, that might cue you into uh, to, that something's going on. I think pregnancy is especially first-time pregnancy is a little bit harder to recognize um, like responses of any kind because one, you're dealing with pregnancy and that's new. So it's a, a little bit hard to differentiate between, is this like a symptom of pregnancy? Am, am I like worried and fearful and exhausted because of pregnancy? Uh, or is there some other thing happening that, that is contributing to why I feel the way that I feel? And it's hard to know, frankly, but certainly if in terms of how trauma can show up, sometimes it can feel like a sense of fear. It can feel overwhelming. And again, that can be hard to differentiate between some because pregnancy is new in and of itself. Sometimes the people have a fear coming up during pregnancy of having children in general because of the experience that they had as a child. So it can maybe be a clue into the like a previous trauma if you're like, oh, well, I never wanted to have kids because of how my childhood was. That's not specifically saying I was traumatized, so therefore X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Sometimes we think we know we had a tough childhood, but we don't mm -hmm. think of it as traumatic because it yeah. was normal to us, even though we didn't, we know it was painful, but we don't, that's what trauma does is make us, you know, detach from mm -hmm. the experience to an extent where it's almost like it's not real in some ways. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And to, to that point too, um, there will be times where people don't want to really connect to being pregnant and to, to the baby in utero specifically, there's actually a really interesting phenomenon that happens. And I'm just going to give you a blip of information about this because I'm, I'm not an expert in it, but for people who've had severe trauma, that's resulted in like dissociation and whatnot, there can be what's called pregnancy denial. And that is yeah. like a not, not even registering that they are pregnant and sometimes not even know that they are pregnant until they're giving birth. That would be a fairly, you know, extreme case of uh, trauma to bring that on that. And it's relatively rare, but just to show you how deep trauma can impact us in not wanting to like, to be able to cut yourself off from your body in that way and not even recognize that you're pregnant. Again, that's just for, for perspective yeah. of how intense it can be for some people. Sometimes th there are other things like some people never wanted to be pregnant and they knew that very clearly. And then they became pregnant and then, you know, did not want to terminate or have an abortion for whatever reason. And then they are now pregnant and that is a form of trauma for them that they're mm -hmm. in a pregnancy that they didn't want to be in. And now they feel like they have to raise a child that they never planned on, but there's something going on for them also that they're not, you know, necessarily going to put the child up for adoption or have a termination or anything like that. So again, like there, if you're in a position where you're like hoping a certain thing for your life and then boom, pregnancy or, or, or something like that happens, then it's potentially traumatizing. There are other things that happen during pregnancy that are traumatizing, such as like a, uh, I don't know, I'm going to give you just some, some examples and not go too in depth about it, but certainly like a fetal diagnosis of any kind, if there's, you know, something going on with their developing baby, that's either uh, life limiting or would result in them having to have like immediate NICU care upon birth, that kind of thing. Certainly that. I think makes well, it's more tangible as recognizing that as a traumatic experience and certainly a pregnancy loss. I mean, in, in the field, that's considered a traumatic loss for sure. So yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there are many, many other examples and many other ways that feeling and being traumatized can, can come up. And I, I, I sort of 
cringe a little bit to say that out loud because at the same time, I think because I know of a lot of the ways that like trauma can happen, that doesn't mean that all of these things are going to happen to you. Like I'm very aware of the listener at this moment feeling like, oh my gosh, this lady's talking about all these horrible things and why would anybody ever become pregnant? Well, I mean, you know, these are things that can happen. They're not guaranteed. But since we are talking about potential trauma and kind of wanting to have a general awareness out there, that's that's in part why I'm bringing in these other examples. Yeah. And thank you. And I will be sure that there's a warning at the beginning of the episode just to let people know who are listening, who are pregnant or thinking about being mm-hmm. pregnant that, you know, if anything feels sensitive for them that they hear, it's okay to yeah. take care of themselves and yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. So, I mean, I, I know you, you also, would it be okay to move on to like birth? Sure, please. So birth is, is interesting in the sense that like you are, and in our culture, American culture specifically, we are in a period of time where people are, it's suggested that people have birth plans And so they birth plans without actually knowing all of their birthing options. So some people go into or approach birth knowing that they want an unmedicated birth or they want a C-section or they for sure want an epidural and, and, and whatnot. But when we set people up to make a birth plan, it also sort of feels like that's going to be the way it's going to go. So, you know, the the clients I'm working with professionally, I I really try to get away from having a solid, like, this is what's going to happen type of a plan and just have a range of things and and then uh, like wishes for, for birth. Because it is sort of, un, you can't control everything in there. So uh, trying to add in some flexibility is, is, can be, can help prevent trauma and giving people information about what their rights are and, you know, what they can ask for and that kind of stuff is, is helpful, I think, in preventing traumatic birthing situations. But it, so if somebody has a previous history of, of birth trauma, certainly going into a second birth can, I'm thinking of several people I'm working with right now who've had that experience and who are trying to just resolve as much as possible their previous birth-related trauma so that they can go into the next one without feeling like it's going to be the same. But for people who've had, uh, outside of that, if people who've had any sexual trauma history, any kind of sometimes sensations in and around the vagina or breasts or something like that can feel re-traumatizing. So, you know, I, I, that that's one way that trauma can show up. Um, certainly then going back to the birth process itself, if something is happening that you didn't want or didn't expect or, and, or people aren't walking you through the process, like in the, in the room, even though from the outside, everything can look okay and fine, the person on the inside may have heard something from a nurse or a doctor that might just hit them a certain way and feel very triggering. So it can be a really internal experience to to feel the trauma related to birth outside of having situations where there are medical emergencies happening. Sometimes people who are in a medical emergency don't feel traumatized. So we can't also assume that they are traumatized because it was an emergency. So Anyways, it, again, going back to it becomes very individual. And but I'm I guess, hearing you say that for the person to have a sense of empowerment is very mm-hmm. important. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the one of the main things I try to help people with is when they're approaching birth. Is I, ideally they can have a doula or somebody that they trust there with them who can you know help support and give any comfort measures as as needed or as possible but also on their birth plan and between them and their partner to indicate that like no medical decisions can be made until they are consulted. And that, you know, if there's time that they have to be given time to, to get all the information that they need so they can make a decision. In particular for people who have trauma histories related to any kind of touch that in their birth plan or to the doctors or nurses that they have to be asked about a vaginal exam or any kind of touching before they are touched. So that can be part of, you don't, you don't have to go into a birthing environment and just assume that like, okay, well, they're going to do whatever they need to do. And they're going to take care of me, which is true. They're going to do their job, but you can ask for what you need. You can say like, before you do any procedures or exams, please ask my permission. 
it's relatively a simple thing that you can do, but when we're in environments where there's a power differential and the people around us like quote unquote know more than we do, we, we tend to just kind of say like, okay, well, they're doing what they need to do. So I, I really appreciate like reminding people that you, you can say like, Hey, like just a minute, like, let's talk about this. And, yeah, ask and I for think really, it met. doesn't have to really take that long, you know, no for the, no. the nurse or provider to, is it okay if I blank, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then the person's like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's not that you're trying to prevent them from caring yeah. for you. You just need to be able to give consent. Yep. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, uh, again, it feels very simple, but for some people it's, it's really hard to ask for that, especially if they have a trauma history, that's a medical trauma history or something like that to just tell the provider, you know, what's up. Other people are very about it um, <laughs> and they have no problem um, stating their boundaries. So that, that's some of what we work on in therapy, if that's part of the, if that's part of the issue. Uh, other ways that birth can feel or be traumatizing for people is if there's like unexpected C-sections or trips to of the baby coming early, or they're having a medical condition that causes preterm labor, baby needs to go to the NICU for care. Again, I think those are things that are more readily associated with um, trauma, but some people, even with those big, bigger, you know, medical emergency experiences don't register it as trauma because they're just trying to get through the day. And so when, sometimes when you start off with your child's life being that kind of emergency or emergency situation, you're put in a state of hypervigilance. You're watching out for everything and you're not really registering what your own needs are at that point. You're just like, I got to make sure my kid's okay. And doing everything for them. Uh, so sometimes uh, they're just that holding on to like trying to make sure everything's okay um, can last a long time and parents can get you know burnt out for sure along the way. But sometimes the stress doesn't show up until the, tra- the traumatic events are over or things are settled enough. And then you start to feel all of the, the feelings that, you know, it's almost like a hangover, but a really bad one emotionally. You know, it just lasts a all- lot longer than an alcohol hangover. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So sometimes it doesn't always show up then, uh, right. When something is happening, it can, it can show up later and not, that would be into the postpartum period, you know, after, um, baby has come and everything's settled in, then people can experience, many different things. Sometimes it can feel like not feeling connected to the baby or like afraid to hold the baby or that the baby's going to get hurt somehow. And there's a little bit of overlap here with kind of anxiety, intrusive thought and trauma because, because of uh, essentially fear is at the root of both. People can be like fearful that something bad is going to happen to the child or bad is going to happen to them. And that if for trauma, it tends to be more of like an ongoing, like just kind of in the back of the mind concern, but then can come up more intense at times, as opposed to like intrusive thoughts that just kind of come in really fast and create a, uh, like a flood of overwhelm. It's certainly intrusive thoughts can happen with trauma too, but I'm trying to differentiate intrusive thoughts from trauma, but they they come together. <laughs> Anyhow, I, yeah, I don't want to overwhelm everybody with all of these details. Hey, everybody. I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my experience with Sunset Lake CBD. I first tried CBD when my integrative doctor recommended it for chronic neck pain and tension that tends to wake me up at night. I really like Sunset Lake CBD's products. The full-spectrum CBD tincture is mild-tasting compared to others I've tried, and I find it works quickly. It doesn't feel sedating, but it does have a pleasant calming effect. And I also like the CBD gummies. They taste good and they work well. So if you're looking for a craft CBD product that comes directly from a farm outside Burlington, Vermont, that's a producer for Ben & Jerry's ice cream, you're going to want to check out Sunset Lake CBD. And remember, Therapy Chat listeners get 20% off using the promo code CHAT. So go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use the promo code CHAT. I ask you to talk about a, a thing that I know will surprise a lot of people that you've kind of mentioned is how, what we don't even think of as trauma, but more of attachment wounds, mm-hmm. um, relational traumas that are like mm-hmm. not having your needs met or not mm-hmm. people not 
noticing you or really not caring for you the way you needed to be cared for. Those kinds of traumas can suddenly show up through the Mm -hmm. process of pregnancy, birth, and or postpartum, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, It happens fairly often. Well, I mean, I should say it, it happens with the people that I meet with fairly fairly often. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a psychologist meeting with 90% of my clientele is a perinatal. So the people that I meet with out of that, like a large percentage of people are dealing with relationship wounds that have come up because they are pregnant or have a new baby. For some people, it's like holding this brand new baby brings up their realization of their own innocence when they were a child and connecting it to their innocence of their their new child and how fragile and beautiful they are. And some people will describe having feelings of, you know, like, I, I cannot believe that my parents treated me the way that they did. I would never do this to my child. And having a, this realization, now you have the juxtaposition of having, you know, these deep feelings. It might not be love, but it could be deep feelings for this new baby And also now grappling with some like reality that you didn't get what you needed. And also, oh my gosh, you're still not getting what you needed from your parents. It can really show up, especially if the grandparents are close by. I've heard a lot of people describe how as the postpartum parent, seeing their parent with the new baby brings up a lot of stuff. Like being able to see, oh gosh, I my mom can't be in tune with my child. And oh my gosh, she was not in tune with me either. And she's still not, she's like clueless or whatever, you know, or the baby starts crying and they just like hand the baby off because they can't take the, the, the baby crying or, or anything like that. And then the newly postpartum person is relating to that. Like, oh my gosh, I remember feeling like put off, you know, in childhood. And then just having to grapple with like, how is it that, you know, how how did that happen? Why did that happen? Why did my parent treat me that way? And I'm not specifically parent bashing right now or grandparent bashing because oftentimes they've also had their own trauma and that's unhealed. It's cyclical. Yes, absolutely. It gets passed down. So the people that end up coming into therapy are the people that are trying to break that cycle, whether they're, you know, conscientious of that or not, they don't want to perpetuate what happened to them. Um, And so they're coming in for healing so that they don't pass it along to their child, which already is, you've already done a lot by doing that, you know, Oh Um, yeah, that's like a massive step. So yeah, the, the people get really blindsided by how their own relational trauma with their own parents impact, impacted them and, and sometimes get really angry that they're like the grandparent can't give that to the grandchild either. Parent, parents will get really protective of their kids and not want uh, like the new parents won't necessarily want their kids around their grandparents, not necessarily because they're going to harm them but because they can't attend to them. They can't attune to them. Uh, Yeah, I I just see this so frequently. And it's tough. It's tough because sometimes you need the the support of the parent. And if all they're capable of offering is to just watch your new baby for a couple of hours so you can, I don't know, go to the doctor or go take a shower or whatever, you know you're, you're sort of leaving your child in the care of somebody who's not attuned. And that can be really hard for parents. It's one of the, when I see, when I see that in people, it, that's what makes me tune in to like, oh, maybe there's some trauma here mm-hmm. when they're not like wanting or able to let somebody else take care of their child, even for just a little bit. That's you know. pretty common too. It is. It's very common. It's very common. And that can happen with anxiety. It doesn't necessarily need to be trauma, but it makes me ask more questions to find out, you know, what, what is that? Whether it's trauma or not, there's something going on that's either relationally or something else that's that's preventing you from getting the help you need right now as a new parent to just like, you need a nap, you need to sleep and eat. if, and eat, right. And if all those relational things are getting in the way then your self-care gets sacrificed also that like trauma that happens early on in life, stuff like that. Yeah. So is it like your history of trauma gets activated because of pregnancy or birth becoming a parent? Uh, Yeah. So like specifically sometimes sexual trauma or relational trauma, especially if it was with a like primary care provider, people who are having their, their first child and then like having this being there and kind of 
thinking about their life in juxtaposition to having this brand new life. Uh, this happens so often. And because of that, I, I really uh, often recommending, Will I Ever Be Enough? It's a, it's a book about narcissistic, being the child of narcissistic mothers. Yeah. But, and, and in my, I see like 99, 95% of my clientele is, is perinatal. And the amount of people in there who have difficult relationships with their mothers is, is all large. It's at least 50% of the people I meet with. It's so right. It brings up relational trauma. Um, it can bring up like past sexual trauma and that can be really gender specific too. For instance, like if, if a woman herself had um, sexual trauma, her trauma might be more, um, might come more up with a female child um, than right. with a male child. Yes. Now she's like associating. With yes. No, I mean, I'm always telling people like birth can trigger your sexual trauma and yeah. like the birth itself can, mm -hmm. you know, feel like the loss of control of totally. And, you know, that moment when the baby's crowning can can people can dissociate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of that. An epidural could be triggering to your nervous system to, you know, a, a trauma, like a sexual trauma that happened when you were unconscious or incapacitated. Mm -hmm. um, not being able to move. Like for some people who, even people who are like, do not at all want to give birth and have their own traumatic experience in the past, specifically around feeling trapped, around feeling stuck. And like the idea of an epidural where they can't get up and walk around is terrifying to them. They would rather face the the pain of an unmedicated childbirth than to be able to feel like they can't move. Yeah. That happens pretty frequently. Yeah. There are so many different ways that it can show up. And, and a lot of times people don't know that they've experienced a, a trauma in part because everyone around them is so like, oh, you have a baby and like everybody's good. Seemingly everyone thinks that things look good from the outside or the baby's healthy and all of these intertwined messages around, well, this is, you wanted this baby and you have them now, so you should be happy and, and whatnot in, in again, juxtaposition to maybe internally having a very terrified experience of, you know, possibly the loss of your own life or the loss of the child's life and everyone around you just wanting you to be okay. That's kind of, you know, adding insult to injury. So that's like in a, in an example of someone who goes through birth trauma. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It can be very internal and it might not even meet criteria for like a clinical diagnosis of PTSD, but you know, we all know in the therapy world, like trauma is in the eye of the beholder and the, the kind of little T trauma that doesn't meet diagnostic criteria, so to speak, happens all the time. And it can be for loads of things. There are things like you wouldn't necessarily consider um, even around like um, gender disappointment for many reasons, there could be a lot of stuff that comes up. Um, it could be related to, you know, your past sexual trauma. Like you don't want to have a girl because you don't want them to have to deal with what you had to deal with, that kind of stuff. So being disappointed in whatever the assigned gender is upon birth anyways, that that could bring up a whole lot of stuff for people. And it's really interesting. I'm sure you see this all the time. There's people will be just kind of going throughout their daily life and not be agitated or bothered by things that happened to them in the past. But as soon as they are, are pregnant or have a child, it brings up a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, and they may not even have realized that the things they went through in the past were traumatizing. You know, people get are very adaptive and try to cope and, and just survive. And they it's do survival strategy that we're totally. not even consciously doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's kind of jarring. You have this new baby and now you're dealing with all of this um, stuff from your past and uh, it's, it's overwhelming to say the least for sure. Um, wow. Yeah. You are so freaking knowledgeable. I love it. <laughs> love talking to you. Oh, great. My mind going and, and also like you're naming like my experience, but also so many of my clients experiences. And mm. I never thought about it really being postpartum type process that I mm -hmm. went through. Mm. I thought of it as, you know, I mean, I guess it's just different ways of saying the same thing, but I thought of it as, I think of it now as a, I know it was a trauma reaction, 
mm-hmm. but I didn't, an attachment wounds being opened. Right. But I didn't definitely didn't know that at the time. And I was very, I probably told you it's the first time we inter- I've interviewed you, but I was so worried about getting postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. My husband and I were both really focused on me not getting postpartum depression, Right. but I didn't really know anything about it. I wasn't a therapist. Right. So I was just 24 years old. Didn't want to get postpartum depression. <laughs> Right. Watch out for postpartum depression. You might catch it. You don't want it. Right. Pretty much. That's all ever anyone talks about. Um, if they talked about it at all. Um, but no, there's that's not just it. Unfortunately, there's a lot, a lot, a lot more. But I and I think that's part of why people don't expect trauma or PTSD and with related to pregnancy or birth or postpartum, in part because we only generally talk about depression let alone anxiety or panic or OCD or PTSD or other things. So people are looking for essentially the wrong thing that you might have your attention on something, but there this could be this whole host of other stuff that you then feel is, well, this is just how motherhood is supposed to feel. Or of course, I'm worried that something bad is going to happen to my child. I have a child. So, um, you know, norm- we've normalized the hypervigilance to, to such an extent that it's now ignored when it's problematic. And it's, it's, it can be hard to know where that line is because there is a very normal amount of, of vigilance that comes with anxiety and just with new parenthood in general, but specifically with trauma, the, the birthing people are not really taught what to look out for. I think there's a lot of protecting of pregnant and postpartum folks. You know, we don't want to overwhelm them with its possibility and true um, it can be overwhelming to know about a lot of this, but I think it's more overwhelming to be like knocked out by it and surprised by it. Yeah. And to not have, to not be able to label what you're going through and not know what to call it. So you don't have the words to explain it. So you can't ask for help. Right. Of course. Yeah. No, that, that's so silencing. And I think that in and of itself is, uh, carries its own trauma that we're, we are all walking around carrying these deep, dark secrets and nobody can know about them. And carry all this shame about it. I mean, it's, I I have had these conversations with clients where, you know, they're, they have had their, their own sexual trauma and obviously they blame, this is very normal for them to blame themselves for it and feel unworthy and so on and so forth. And then that gets translated into, that's really for people who have deep and complex trauma, it just, it gets really nuanced and complex depending on the person themselves, like their own history of trauma. And it, like, it doesn't, um, this can be like a, a sexual trauma. It can be, it can be medical trauma. The thing, like things that have had happened to them before, like for, for some reason or another, I have several clients who had illness when they were, when they were younger, that resulted in a lot of vomiting. And so they have a relationship with vomiting that they're very scared of it. And they have their own trauma around that. And then vomiting and throwing up gets associated with pregnancy. And then they don't want to be pregnant because they're so triggered by the idea of being sick or feeling sick in any way. And, and, or, you know, feeling out of control in pregnancy or in birth. Um, So people get locked up in a lot of different ways and even approaching pregnancy and approaching if they are um, already pregnant, approaching birth Mm. because of the anticipation of being essentially re-traumatized. I mean, they're not saying it that way. (laughs) Right. And it's Uh, almost like they don't know that's what's happening, but that's what they're reacting to. Right. Right. Um, yeah, once we get in into it and we can understand a little bit of the the stuff and then they're like, oh my gosh, it's it's a lot to process. Um, thank goodness for, you know, EMDR and other types of trauma-based um, therapies to help resolve some of that. Because it, it really, it the, the freeze happens a lot, like not wanting to, not being able to even make a decision about um, thinking about a couple of people in particular about whether or not to even become pregnant or have children. Like they would just rather like have a baby appear um, and not have to deal with any of the potential feelings of feeling out of control uh, or, or fear of illness that might come from pregnancy. Mm. That's another yeah, way. I'm so glad you're out there. I'm so glad you're doing <laughs> what you're doing, I swear. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to be doing it too. There, it, it just shows up in so many different ways. Right, so that's medical, a dip into medical trauma. There can be other stuff, like if people are dealing with chronic illness of any other kind, or if they've had a previous traumatizing experience with, with birth or medical 
professionals that can absolutely show up. Racial trauma for uh, certainly for people who've experienced racism in relation to their health care, specifically not being heard, being overlooked, not be giving, being given the treatment that they need. Not being believed. Not being believed, which, yeah. Oof. Yeah, which if you're a woman, um, you know what that feels like. And if you're a person of color, you know what that feels like. And a woman of color, doubly, in many cases. It's, right. So again, this, these might not all necessarily reach the degree of, of PTSD clinically, uh, like DSM PTSD. But there is, there is an absolute connection between, for instance, like, oh gosh, if I, could, if I could refer you to it, I would, if I could remember the reference. The way that racism in particular is, it affects the physiological system is as of a trauma, but it's ongoing trauma. Right. Time. So I hope that came out right. It has an absolute, it's like very high traumatic stress, has an absolute impact on, on the body. If it's ongoing it, racial trauma, medical trauma, or, or other types of trauma, and if it's ongoing and you're so used to it, you don't even know that you're in it. As and, they yeah. say, it's like when you're fish swimming in the ocean, you don't right. know that the water is there. You just mm -hmm. are immersed in it. Absolutely. Yeah. So there, there are quite a few people who come to therapy after they've given birth and feel all of a sudden this, this rush of other stuff coming up for them that they either can't place or they're having specific memories or thoughts of um, previous experiences in their life uh, that are, that are now impacting their capacity to connect with their own child, connect with their partner, function day to day it can be incapacitating to one be exhausted. I mean, let's not forget that. Like it's like running a marathon and then having to figure out all this other stuff. Yeah. The, another thing I was thinking about seeing the grandparent holding the baby. The other thing I often hear is look how she's be, being so loving with my child. Why wasn't she like that with me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that in. I, I hear that a lot too. It feels like unfair and it can be devastating. It's emotionally devastating. It's amazing to me just as people, how much we need our parents to be good parents, even after years of knowing that they're not and that they cannot meet those needs. The yearning for it is normal. And it makes sense that we all want that from our parents. And it's such a tough lesson to have to learn over and over when you're like, oh, why did I, why did I want that from them? I know they can't give that to me. So some of the work of therapy is just normalizing the need, mm -hmm. you know, it, we, we are wired for connection and it's, you know, it's really tough when our parents can't be that nurture that we needed. And so learning that for yourself, how to nurture yourself and how to nurture the relationship with you and your new, your own child is part of that healing too. Well, it seems like your book would be an amazing resource for people to use <laughs> for that very purpose because, mm -hmm. you know, and it's called the Calm Pregnancy Workbook, but do you think that people can use it, you know, in the perinatal period as well? Yeah, absolutely. The skills and tools are really built for, for coping and they're, they're down to earth and usable right away. I really wanted to kind of sort of operationalize the things that are talked about in therapy mm -hmm. so that people can use it now. And the, the, a lot of the examples and some of the stuff that I write about there is geared towards pregnancy and new pregnancy, but really the skills are universal. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're universal skills for calming anxiety, even if you mm -hmm. weren't pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's some stuff specifically in there for grounding exercises related to trauma and yes, CBT techniques for managing distressing thoughts and mindfulness and meditation exercises for just general stress management. Sounds so great. Um, well, I hope everybody loves it. <laughs> my, this is my book, baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, it was um, a process to write it for sure. I learned a lot about myself and writing and, and all of that stuff and getting this out there. So, but I really, really had at the forefront of my mind was always the person who needs it the most and trying to, in some of the writing, just trying to bypass what I know are to the, some of the blocks that people with anxiety have about doing these kinds of skills or techniques, you know, it takes one to know one. So <laughs> Writing I, the yeah. book you needed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I needed it too. <laughs>
<laughs> I think we could all benefit from it. Well, Dr. Kat, can you tell us where people can find your book, your podcast, your your therapy practice, everything you do. I do quite a bit. Yeah. So the, the book is now available online everywhere. Books are sold, Amazon, Target, Walmart, even you can go, go find it there. The, the publishers have taken the word calm out of the book, out of the title. Rather the book is still the same, but um, it's now just the pregnancy book for, but um, so you have a limited edition. That's what, that's what I'm calling it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, the pregnancy workbook, you can find it anywhere. Uh, the podcast is called Mom and Mind, and you can find that wherever podcasts are played, like Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, all of that, even on YouTube. And my website is uh, momandmind.com or drkayani, K-A-E-N-I.com. Uh, um, and I'm also on the board of Postpartum Support International and um That is a fantastic resource for anybody out there who is looking for a perinatal mental health trained therapist, free online support groups or information to to learn more about perinatal mental health issues or to give to your family or spouse. So yeah, there's, there's quite a few resources on that website as well. So I, I just, I really want everybody out there to know, we talked about some really heavy stuff. And it's, it's hard to know that all of this is possible, but I just want to emphasize that everybody's path is, is unique and it's theirs. Not all of these things are going to happen to you, but if some of them do there, it is absolutely treatable. There is no reason for you to suffer with this by yourself because we, uh, we who are trained in this and trained in trauma are here to help process this so that you can get back to life and live you know, the life that you want to be living with your, in your pregnancy and with your new family, there, there's just no reason to suffer. We, we can help you feel better. Thank you for that reminder and for making free resources available that people can find to help themselves when they go through things like this. I'm happy to do so. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I love your podcast. Oh, thanks. I love your podcast. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's me, Laura Reagan. Just wanted to make sure that you know about what I've got going on this summer. I don't think I've really talked about it much here, which is silly, but in case you didn't hear, I did start a second podcast called Trauma Chat, which is really for anyone who wants to understand what trauma is and how it shows up in our lives. As you've heard me say, if you've listened to this show, I've mentioned a million times that people tend to think that trauma is something that happens to someone else, something horrific and unthinkable, unspeakable. And that is true. Trauma is that. But it's also experiences that are very commonly shared among many of us, most of us. On Trauma Chat, I break down what trauma is in hopefully understandable language that's not stigmatizing. I know I couldn't have possibly captured every thought there is about trauma and every aspect of trauma and how it shows up, but I hope that trauma chat will be helpful to people who really don't understand what trauma is and maybe wondering, do I have trauma, you know, or wanting to better understand what someone they care about is going through. And most importantly, how to get help if you have experienced trauma, what to look for, how to describe your experiences or how to find the words that that name what you've been through so that you can then connect with whatever type of resource support, whether it's therapy or a podcast that you'd like to listen to, to learn more about it or an article, another website. This is my hope in creating trauma chat. And the second part of that is the new trauma therapist network community that I'm creating. It's unbelievable to say this because I've been laboring behind the scenes to bring this to you for a long time. Starting in around 2018 is when I first had the idea and then the process of getting from there to here has been slow and with many twists and turns, but I'm creating a community for people who have experienced trauma to find help, for trauma therapists 
to find other trauma therapists to network with and refer to and gather and collaborate and share ideas and hopefully come together in person in in gatherings that I don't know if they'll be able to happen in 2021, but maybe by 2022, we can have in-person gatherings of trauma therapists to provide support to one another and combat the isolation of trauma work. Even if you work in a large agency or group practice, trauma work is so isolating. It's just part of the nature of it. And connecting with other people who get it is so valuable. The participants in my trauma therapist consult groups share how useful they find them to be because we're in our offices doing our work and then we go home and it can be really hard to receive the same kind of support that you give to your clients. So I hope that Trauma Therapist Network will be a useful resource for you, whether you are someone who's trying to find more information about trauma or if you are a trauma therapist yourself. To learn more, please go to traumatherapistnetwork.com. The website is not live yet as of June 28th when I'm recording this, but it will be live by August 1st if all goes well. And hopefully there may be even a soft launch before that, a beta version. So please go to traumatherapistnetwork.com where you can find a free download and sign up to be notified as soon as it officially goes live. Whether you are a therapist or just someone who wants to learn more about trauma, there's a download there for you, (laughs) different ones for each group. And I hope that this resource that I've really created from the heart will bring healing to more people. I really want people who have experienced trauma to be able to find the right kind of support. And that's why I created the Trauma Therapist Network. I hope you will join me there. Like I said, you can get more information by going to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com where you can sign up to be notified as soon as the official website goes live, which will be in August of 2021. If you're hearing this after August 2021, go there and hopefully you will find the site and you'll see everything that it has to offer. I cannot wait. This is such a labor of love, something that I've really poured my heart into and I'm just so excited for you to see it. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank <laughs> you.